Missed it by that much. Seahawks went into Cincinnati at 10 a.m. this past Sunday and fell just short of the Bengals. 13-17 in a little bit of a strange game. Started off first looking like it was going to be another offensive showdown like we've seen in Seattle a couple times over these past few years with Gino and the crew. They came out, scored a touchdown. Bengals came right back, scored a touchdown on their first drive, and we went, oh no, we know where this is going, right? Our defense is going to let them dink and dunk us to death and slowly get bled to death, and our offense is going to have to carry the day in order for us to win this football game. And then, right as we're all just about thinking that, everything suddenly flipped on its head all of a sudden, where now instead of that, you are looking at your defense tightening up. You look at the Bengals' defense tightening up, and they both ground the opposition's offense to a dead stall stop in this game about halfway through. It was very strange, but both of the defenses found that adjustment, made it, and neither offenses were able to do much then going over the course of the rest of the game. I'm going to start off first and foremost with praising the defense in this game. And I'm going to say, if you're looking for me to be super negative here or me to be uh, jumping off the building in panic, you're not going to be getting me there in that state of mind after this loss. This is a tough Bengals team, and you lost four points on the road 10 a.m. against a Bengals team that is going to probably win this division um, and definitely be in the playoffs. I don't think that that's something that you want to beat your team up a lot over. I think that as well, I don't think the offensive struggles are going to continue like they did in this game, and I'll explain why in a second, but I become encouraged at the forefront of this by the defensive performance that they provided. So for though the Bengals were initially starting to move the ball, the defense tightened it down and tightened it down completely. They they squeezed up on the shorter routes and the Bengals offense didn't let them just dink and dunk. They remained really good in stopping the run as they've been throughout the course of this year. 15 carries for the Bengals, only 46 yards on the ground. You turn the Bengals into a one-dimensional attack, then you tighten down those zones. You got turnovers, you got pressure on Burrow in this game, sacks from Boye Mafe, Draymond Jones, and Jaron Reed. So you're able to do the things defensively that you've not done in recent history, both in your performance and then also in the schematic execution of what you're deciding to do. You didn't just drop back and cover three and bail technique and let him eat you up underneath. And I love that Hurt made that adjustment in this game, tightened things down, and this defense was tight all across the board throughout moving in then over the course of the game. You got an interception from Dre Brown on a pick where he was on Jamar Chase. Trey came back later in this game. There was moments this defense had no room for error where uh, Bengals start out in field goal range, Seahawks side of the field. If they score a touchdown there, the game is just completely over. It's done. But Seahawks were able to hold down on a three and out, keep them to a field goal attempt at that point. And then you had later on in the game where if the Bengals get one first down, game's over with. They can just take the victory formation and kneel it down. Trey Brown up the field there on T. Higgins, a guy that he's probably given up four or five inches to in coverage and manages to get his hand up in there and knock the ball away on a key third down and keep the Bengals offense off the field at that point. Give your Seahawks offense yet another chance. And the Seahawks offense got so many chances in this game to come back and win this football game. But an amazing performance in my my opinion by the defense. This is one of the best bang this is one of the best offenses that you'll find in the NFL this Bengals team. They are tough to play, they are very prolific in putting up points and you you just closed everything down. Couldn't run, couldn't pass, got turnovers, got pressure. You should have been able to win the game based on how the defense performed, but I'm encouraged as I say because I think this is a performance defensively now in back-to-back -back weeks that shows you here's what the plan is going to be for this defense. Once we got all of the guys back to a return to normalcy, a return to full health, once you got Trey Brown out there instead of Mike Jackson, once you got Jamal Adams in the mix, once Devin Witherspoon is up to working full speed within, and you can see what the plan is, where he's in the slot and Trey Brown's on the, on the outside, it makes sense. 
And they were able, I think, to implement the full strength of their attack this today defensively. And then that's why you're getting these performances starting to get improved. Last week against Daniel Jones and company, a lot of us went, well, okay, it's it's great, but it is against Daniel Jones. And there's a lot of a lot of defenses that are going to look good against that Giants offense this week. This was a legitimate test. This wasn't just simply, uh, you're getting a bottom rung team. Can you just hold on for your life? This was you taking it to that Bengals offense and throughout the whole course of that second half, taking it to them, being so tight, giving nothing up. Great performance for the Seahawks defense. Jamal Adams looked really good out there. He was flashing around again um, as well. Uh, both linebackers, Bobby Wagner and Brooks, or Jordan Brooks and Bobby Wagner looked really good in this game as well. They were solid as well in the blitz. Certainly gave Burrow some some difficulties at times with those A-gap pressures that they would bring where he would feel it and want to be trying to get the ball out of his hands a little bit quicker. Great job, too, by the defense being willing with Hurt at times to bring a little bit more of the press-based looks up there because that was then allowing them to disrupt the timing of the Bengals' receivers. A couple times there where Burrow was wanting to go, for instance, Jamar Chase, when they just got such a nice chuck there at the line of scrimmage it threw the whole playoff. It caused one of the sacks in this game, but good for the Seahawks to start to implement a little bit more of that, having Witherspoon and Woolen out there to do that. They have that in their bag to do it, and uh, it can help, especially when a lot of times you've seen these offenses in recent history attack the Seahawks defense by getting those free releases off the line of scrimmage with their receivers, getting right into the route. But there was the disrupting of the route all across the board here defensively, stopping the run, creating pressure, stopping the pass, limiting the big play, getting turnovers. The defense did its job and was its best effort. This is even better. I know that the Giants' effort's more flashy with the sacks and all this. I kind of almost think this is just about a better effort because the challenge was so much more stringent that they were going up against. So props to the defense all across the board. I think just about everyone played pretty good football. It's hard to knock anybody in this one on that side of the ball. A lot better than I thought they were going to be able to hold down this Bengals offense. That does bring us over to the offensive side of the ball and uh, some of the less good things to talk about. In some of my post-game discussion, as I was looking at the chat and then looking online a little bit here after this game, there seems to be a heavy amount of criticism from some of the contingent laying it solely at the feet of Geno Smith in this game. That he's the reason we didn't lose. He's not the guy. See, this is the guy that can take you to the Super Bowl. Not good enough. A lot of people reaching that final conclusion is where they look at Geno coming out of the, uh, at the heels of this game. I can't quite get there myself. Uh, I don't think that this is just a game you can throw at your quarterback and say he's the one that lost you this game. I more lean to the offensive line than I look to Geno Smith in this game. Now, Geno's not without blame. And the criticisms that are being lobbed at Geno, holding on to the ball, indecisiveness, taking too many sacks, all of those are very valid in this game. And that those three specific points in particular, I would say, are completely valid. And he has to do better. I will say... Most quarterbacks, you have them down three-fifths of their offensive line, which is pretty much what you were dealing with today, where Phil Ains going from right guard to left guard. You got rookie Anthony Bradford at right guard. Jay Curran back out there at right tackle. Undrafted Jay Curran at right tackle. I think that that's going to put a lot of quarterbacks in a bit of a pickle, especially if they're going up against a tough defensive line that can create pressure in order to hold up back there. And Geno's done a good job against the storm over the past couple of weeks, having a couple of games where he threw for over 300 yards having to deal with some of the issues on this line. But a little bit of that was wrought out to bear today, I felt like, and that Curran really didn't have a very good game. And Haynes sliding over to left guard was really a struggle. And Bradford, he has his really good moments that are flashy, and then he'll have his bad moments as well. That's what you're going to get with a rookie fourth-round pick offensive lineman. You would kind of expect that. When that's mixing in with what you get from Curran and Haynes today on this game, it just starts to make it seem like a little bit of the offense being under siege at times. And it's not just an issue of being about pass protection. This is also about run blocking. The Seattle Seahawks weren't able to run the ball in this game. 25 attempts, 
only 87 yards, 3.5 yard per carry average. And so what happened here is that you had no ground game to call upon. You not getting any real consistent pass protection going on unless you go into max protect, meaning you're leaving an extra running back and an extra tight end in with the offensive line to block up all those bangles. And what that then did is left less guys running receivers, less receivers running routes. So if I've only got three guys running routes, it's less guys for me to look through all my progression. And if they're covered, I'm kind of SOL if I'm a quarterback at that point. It's then either throw it away or run. And uh, there was a little bit more of that today, I think. And and we'll see on the All-22 if this is the case with Gino, where we look at his performance and we can look at the All-22 and he was actually missing open guys. There were a couple times he missed open guys, but I want to go back and look at the All-22 to really determine if it was he's truly missing open guys or was it there was quick pressure there or there was even moments where it was just guys covered and there was pressure. But I can't give it just solely on Gino on that basis when you're looking at the offensive line playing the way they did today, not able to create any rushing lanes for the rushing attack. And Waldron tried to run the ball, 25 attempts. They tried to get it going. It just wasn't happening. It just was not occurring at all. And um, that's going to make it hard to play the quarterback position. No pass protection, no ground game, carry the day. Now they did have to score a lot of points and I don't want to make it seem like I'm letting Gino completely off the hook. He did not perform well today but he did throw up for 323 and the two interceptions one of those interceptions is on dk metcalf for not running out his post route all the way through on the play so i can't just say that he played some horrendous brand of football given that there are these other factors in my opinion that were at play i don't think walker ran bad he did with what he could 19 carries 62 yards 3.3 yard per carry average but there was penetration in the backfield there was not a lot of rushing lanes to be had this is a little bit of where i will give my tip of the cap to this Bengals defense it's a good Bengals defense it's a good Bengals front it's a tough defense to make a lot of hay with and they did a good job of bending but not breaking over the course of this game and another place that we go to with this offense and their struggles today, and what's been recent struggles with this offense, with it being a Geno-led attack over the last year and a half. Can't just put it solely on Geno, but this has been a problem going off for about the last year and four or five games, whatever it is. And that is the red zone struggles. And that the Seahawks don't seem to have really much of a plan in the red zone. They can't run the ball in the red zone. And it seems like the pressure from the defenses only gets more hot when they get inside the red zone for whatever reason. So this is an issue to me that you go to, yeah, it's to Geno. I think this is also a little bit to Waldron. You got to play in this game where you're first in five and you end up just, you get too pass happy in that red zone at times. Now there wasn't a lot of rushing yards to be had. So I don't, I, I can't knock Waldron for not being saying, Hey, I don't want to you know ram my running back into a brick wall here. It's not working today. We got to go to something else, but still this team gets a little bit too pass heavy, gets a little bit too cute, gets a little bit too finessey at times when they get into that red zone. There was the Jackson Smith and Jigba for uh, interception, for instance, where he's running this little, you know, kind of a wheel route and Gino ends up throwing it into double coverage on the play where just Gino had decided and that was his worst throw of the day by far where Gino just decided he's going to throw it and then threw it into double. But another play where you're going, right, let's try to mix a little more of the run there. You know, you pass between the 20s, you try to run it in the red zone. You got a, you got two second round running backs. I know there's not a lot of holes there, but would have liked to have seen a little bit more of trying to work that in in this game. Um, it's a little bit odd, some of that struggles in the red zone with you're just trying to throw the ball all the time. It's a big part of it there that I, I would point to. But you had four, like four opportunities in the red zone in this game, one touchdown, one field goal, one turnover, and one fourth down stop. That's probably not going to win you the football game if you're that inefficient when you get down near into that red zone goal line. Um, I think a little bit of this too was Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, I wonder a little bit on missing the targets to DK. For instance, there was a deep throw to DK, which the, the, the television broadcast show where Gino completely missed him early in the game. I'm wondering if there's a little bit in this game too of 
trying to get Jackson Smith featured a little bit too much into this offense too heartily, and it's coming at the expense of Geno going through other progression reads, which would have taken him to DK or to Tyler or to the tight ends instead. And that the team's feeling a little bit of pressure to get Jackson acclimated here, and maybe that's coming at the cost of the other. Another thing I can't say for certain, something that will show itself up in the All-22 when we get a chance to look at that and see how that's really playing out. But I, I do wonder a little bit about that um, coming into this game, especially watching that Jackson Smith play where I mean, that was one where, you know, all week they're probably prepping that play going, it's going to you, it's going to you, it's going to you. And that's why Gino decided prior to that play, okay, it's going to him no matter what I see in the coverage. Um, you can't make that kind of predetermination if you're Gino in this game. And that's part where the criticism on him is completely valid. Uh, DK had a little bit of an up and down game from his standpoint, got an injury. He had 10 targets, only four catches. Some of those targets were not catchable balls. Some, like I said, he had the stop route on the post route, which was weird. He had a, another um, unnecessary roughness penalty, which again, I don't really agree with. He's blocking the guy in the ground game and he knocks the guy on his butt. He engages with the guy, so the guy knows he's engaged with him, right? DK doesn't just come up and witherspoon him. He comes up and first kind of gives him a knock on the shoulder. And when he sees the guys, okay, you're getting blocked. And then DK blocks him hard, knocks him down. They call a penalty flag. I, I think officials are sometimes being a little bit hard on DK just because he's bigger and stronger than the quarterback across from him. But if it's a valid block, it's a valid block. And if a guy gets knocked on his butt, so what? That's It doesn't make it, to me, illegal. But at this point, the refs have definitely got a little bit of a it out for DK on this kind of stuff. And they're going to legislate it, over-legislate it, I guess, um, just a bit too much. Uh, Tyler Lockett was good. Eight targets, six catches, 94 yards. He came back in and did a pretty good job. Jake Bobo. How about Bobo? Two catches, 43 yards, including a 23-yarder, which was a catch and 10-yard run after the catch where he had to go up and reach up and grab it. He was also a, a lead blocker down by the goal line coming in motion right in front of Walker, kind of serving as like a fullback. So if you want, you want more Bobo, please, I think you're going to be getting some more Bobo as he continues to do the most with whatever opportunities he's given, he gets the most out of it, which is uh, uh, great to see. Special teams unit on this day, Michael Dixon punted really well, a couple of punts inside the 20. His average per attempt was kind of low, but that's because he only had three punts and two of them were down inside the 20-yard line, but he got them inside there. Jason Myers made both of his two field goal attempts, including a 55-yarder. Nice to see that long leg showing off on Myers as maybe he starts to bounce back off of what's been a little bit of a consistent start here uh, to the season. And then we had uh, DJ Dallas with a 21-yard punt return in this game, which was able, a big punt return, got him back around the midfield stripe. Dallas has been, uh, continued to be a pretty good returner. He seems to be a little improved for us this year as a punt returner, which is really good to see. Special teams unit continues to be a very key cog of this team, continues to play it like a top three unit in the National Football Conference. They're doing their part, even as the other two sides of the ball will be in a little bit of a fluctuating state. Still, I think you have now that special teams unit continue at that top three state. I think the offense, once it gets a couple more of these offensive linemen back, will get back to a place of playing really good football and really productive football and at the very least a top 10 offense with even a top five upside to it. I think they're really going to get there, especially because absent the offensive line, they've been able to maintain their health across the board. Then you've got a defense now with two back-to-back really strong performances that they're going to start to build upon as they themselves start to get healthier here. I think they continue to build on that and keep that going as well. And so it's going to come together, in my opinion, this year. This team will get better. It has not played its best football yet. But why I come off of this loss and not 
speaking in doom and gloom terms is because there's a lot of encouraging signs coming from this team. The things that go bad, I think are going to be corrected when you get back to better health. This was a damn tough team in the Bengals that you were playing on the road who wanted this game, desperately wanted this game with whether schedule was going on into the future. So it's a game that I looked at in this offseason and said, yeah, I'm going to probably put that down as an L. This is a really good Bengals team. This might end up being a team of the, 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 the best or the second best team in the AFC when it's all said and done this year. And if we come out to the end of this year and we see the Bengals finding at that spot where they're the first or the second best team in the AFC, I don't think we're going to be feeling quite so bad about this loss, especially if it's at the expense of this team starting to round more closer and closer into shape. They've not played their best ball yet. We've not peaked too early. We're a young team, the third youngest team in the entire NFL. There's going to be some inconsistency with that. There are going to be some times of them finding themselves and it's going to look good and look bad. They will get better and they will be at their best at the end of the year. I do truly believe that. So keep the faith, my fellow Seahawks fans. I know this is a bit of a tough loss, but there are some encouraging signs. There's some silver linings to be had and we are not done yet. It's a long year and I'm going to tell you this. We haven't played our best football yet. We're heading there and we will get there. My name is Brandon Kane. This is the Hawks Nest. Please hit the like button. Please subscribe. But beyond all that, don't you ever forget, go Hawks.